This is episode 120 of Huddle Up with Matias Bueno. Today's guest is Danang Balsera, who wears many different hats in the world of journalism and media. He works for Blog TO, the Raptors 905, and also does some videography as well. We chatted about sports and movies, two things that he's very keen on. Sit back and enjoy today's episode. First, a word from our sponsor. If you're like most people, you strive to eat healthy as much as you can, but it gets really difficult when life gets in the way. We get busy, we're running around doing lots of things, it's hard. Being able to eat healthy on the go is super important more than ever now, and that's why I'm here to tell you about G2G Protein Bars. They're the best protein bar for eating healthy on the go. It's made with all natural ingredients, they're fresh, it tastes like homemade, but it's even better. G2G Bars have 18 grams of protein and are gluten-free. With eight different flavors, there's so many different things that you can enjoy about the great tastes of G2G bars and what they have to offer. They're fresh, healthy, and delicious. Make sure to get yours at g2gbar.ca or at your local retailer in Canada or the US. Welcome to Huddle Up with Matias Bueno. Sit back and enjoy stories and insight from sports icons from all over. Welcome to Huddle Up with Matias Bueno, today's guest from the heart of Southern Ontario in the greater Toronto area. We got Danang Bolsera, who wears many hats. He's an in-game host with the Raptors 905. He's literally wearing a hat right now as well. It uh, goes along with the pun. Does stuff for Blog TO, is a digital host for them, as well does a little bit of videography and hosts the Raptors 905 podcast. Welcome to the show, man. I'm really excited. And I know that you're also a host of your own podcast, The Details. You've been doing that for quite some time. It's it's great to chat, man. I know I've been following your stuff for a long time, and now we finally get to, to chat it out. Yeah, I mean, this has kind of been brewing for a while. Uh, you know, a couple of LinkedIn messages here and there. Um, but I'm glad we're finally, uh, we've brought this to fruition, and I'm excited to talk to you. I got to start first with your podcast. I know that you as well as former guest Savannah Hamilton have worked closely together with the 905 and you've kind of been working all over the place. Traditionally people in sports media like working under one job and breathing with a little more stability, but that doesn't always necessarily come in the first few years. So I want to know why is it you started your podcast and what was the goal from when you initially started it? Yeah. So I started my podcast. So when I started my podcast, I hadn't really um, attained sort of my dream job of being a digital host and in-game host, hosting in general. I had a videography company. I continued to have that videography company. And, you know, about two years into my company, I, I noticed that I wasn't talking about uh, sports or pop culture um, on a platform. And, and, you know, those are the two things that I'm really, really passionate about. So, you know, I just went on a whim and, you know, podcasts obviously have become so much easier to start now for me you know I didn't know technology I didn't know how the podcast world works so I you know started doing my homework and I started the podcast and as I started doing it started out as like just me and my friends kind of shooting the shit and talk, being able to talk about sports and if anybody wanted to listen great um, I wasn't really doing it for the numbers and I uh, for my own personal podcast I don't really do it for the numbers but then I realized as I started getting more and more opportunities uh, blog to being one of them and then you know in-game hosting and I end up doing some podcast for the Nighthawks and CBL, whatnot. 
I, I noticed like, before I got all that stuff, I was like, oh, you know what? I need to start having these reps of, of speaking and talking and talking about the things that I love, right? You know, simple things like segues and bridges into conversations without being it too obvious, like little, little details like that. I'm like, well, listen, this, this, this whole podcast thing is free. It's at my leisure. It's also at my control as well. So why don't I do that? So, you know, the same way someone would read, read books or, you know, uh, people would write just to kind of have those uh, skills sharpened. Uh, that was the reason that I started my podcast. It started as uh, you know an opportunity to talk to my friends, and then just kind of evolved into sh- sharpening my my, my skill set. When did you start it compared to when you first started doing stuff with Blog Teal and the Nine Hundred Five? Was it well before? Yeah, I'd say it was probably a good year before I started. Uh, Blog Teal was the first thing that really, uh, you know push the dominoes and, and it had this whole thing rolling. Um, and I'd say it, I had the podcast for a solid probably year before I got blogged to you. But you weren't always working in sports media, were you? No, uh, you know, I, it's funny. I went to, so I went to school for film. Uh, I did that for a year and then I realized, um, the school route for film wasn't for me. Um, I'm, I'm a cinephile and I still love film to date. Um, but I was like, I want to get a, I want to get in a program that's going to allow me to get me back in front of the camera and, and work on and hone on those skills. So then I went to Conestoga for broadcast journalism. And luckily, luckily for me, right out of school, I got a radio job. Um, and that only lasted a year because I was covering someone's spot. And then I ended up bartending for four years. I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And um you know, that kind of laid a foundation for me uh, financially. Like I made a lot of money during that time. If anybody has been in the service industry, um, you know, it can be, it can be pretty good to you if you, if you work a lot, you know, giving tips and whatnot. So, you know, I was able to sort of lay down a foundation for me financially. And during that time I was able to network and eventually, um, you know, I got my job with blog to, I can't even remember what your question was now. I know I started it for a reason. What was the question? Asking about, saying you weren't always in sports media and how, right. how you get. Yeah. yeah. So, so I said, sorry. So the bartending, right. So I did the bartending and I'm like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, am I, am I going to get my, like, I love social media. So I was like, Oh, am I going to eventually do marketing um, or social media for Buffalo Wild Wings? Cause it's sports, food, beverage, all that sort of stuff. I was like, that's kind of my vibe. And I really enjoyed the environment. And then because I worked near the university of Guelph, um, you know, athletes, people that worked at the athletic department always come in frequently and converse with me about sports. And then we're just started getting around like, Oh, D knows about sports. And he also has this background in broadcast journalism. Like, why don't we come bring him in to run our broadcast uh, for the four major sports and in U sports, it was OUA back in the day, uh, basketball, uh, football, volleyball, and hockey. And so they took a chance on me. And then that's really when I started to get, you know, dip my toes into sports and, and immersing myself in that world. One of the t- difficult things about getting into the industry is the fact that there's not as many jobs as there are people that want to get into it. So how did you assess risk before going into this and how do you manage it today? Yeah. So, you know, I, so after, so I, I done really well with the broadcast in our first year, we won webcast of the year. And um, that was huge for me because we beat out a school like Ryerson uh, now known as TMU and they're kind of the juggernaut of, of the sports broadcast world, right? They've been absolutely killing it. So it was great for us to win that award in the first year. And then my, my role kind of evolved into videography based on my, my experience um, going to film school and, you know, being passionate about film and videography and whatnot. And so, you know, I brought somebody, along with me to help me 
me and he just grabbed, he just finished over at Brock and, and, you know, helped me with the video content. And it got to a point where so many people were asking him and I, Alex, um, if we want to do videography work for them. And it wasn't just sports. It was like, you know, I mean, so fitness kind of falls under that umbrella as well, but food, beverage, real estate, all that sort of stuff. And so we looked into, to, to one another and we said, Hey, like we should probably start our own videography company. I like, I, I, I love what I'm doing at the university, but I, I don't feel like, um, I'm not going to get to where I want to, if I keep, you know, under this umbrella. And so we started on videography company and it was a chance. And I mean, it never works out this way, but we like, like absolutely crushed it in that first year. And so um, I got really, really lucky and it was really worth the risk. Um, and, you know, like Fred would say, you, you kind of bet on yourself. And that's kind of what I did with, uh, with this company that we started. What is your ultimate goal within the jobs that you're working and where you want to get to? Cause you, you mentioned being with the university wasn't going to get you to where you wanted to go. So where exactly is that? That's a great question, right? Um, like you said, I wear a lot of different hats right now. When um, when I started the videography company, I was like, hey, like I need to get back into in front of a camera and, and fulfill what I really want to do. And that's when I, you know, shot my shot with Blogtio. I always say, you know, it doesn't just, you know, the, the term doesn't just apply to someone that you're going after, but it also can apply in the real world with jobs and whatnot. And I reached out to them and I said, hey, you have three female hosts, you have no male hosts, you want to take a chance on me. They love that, that initiative. And so they, they did take that chance on me. And you know, four years later, I'm still with BlogTO. And then BlogTO, obviously, it was like I said, it was a domino effect, right? It led to the 905 opportunity, left a lot of other in-game host opportunities. 905 comes from that CBL work I do, you know, I do for the Canadian professional, Canadian Elite Professional Basketball League that, that's going on right now as well. Um but it's weird because I've, I've tapped into so many different things, right? Like in-game hosting, podcasting, digital hosting. Um, there's so many different things I like. And I, I think I am getting at sort of an age where I kind of want more stability. And I want like, you know, I'm, I'm going to kind of going to work for one job and then just have a bunch of other little small things. I think ultimately right now, and I feel like it could change because it has changed. I, I think I want my own uh, show. Um, much in the vein of, of an Ellen. Um, I know she's canceled now, so I got to be careful <laughs> to draw comparisons. But um, I, I like to sit down with athletes, celebrities, and talk about the more lighthearted stuff, right? Like things that they love, things that they do for fun. Um, just just the more fun stuff. I'm not I'm not here to grill people about um, you know why you know they got in some sort of scandal or whatever. Like I really don't care about that stuff. Um, I'm, I'm like a half class full guy, and um, just you know with my charisma and my enthusiasm, I'm just I'm just always looking for the upbeat stuff. And so you can talk about things like all the great paraphernalia you have in the background there with the Raptors jersey, Kyle Lowry, Toy Story three. Exactly. Where, where, I, I love to know where where you um where'd you get that Toy Story three uh. I'm not sure if that's like a poster or like part of a sticker. And uh... yeah, it's like I don't even know how to describe it. it. Was a, it's a it's a cardboard cutout. So I think it was a part of like we you know when you walk in a theater and there's like this massive display set up. Um, I think it was a a part of that. I used to work in a movie theater. Um, back in the day, uh, I think I put in like four, or f- four or six years in a Cineplex when I was in high school. Um, and you know we'd always take stuff when we if we had the opportunity. I say take stuff, borrowed it. <laughs> movie like I've got I've got probably. Third, no, I've got to have like 50 plus movie posters in my closet, um, just collecting old movies and stuff like that. So that specifically, somebody took it for my, uh, for my birthday because they're like, there's only one person in the world that would use this and hang it up. And of course, it's it's Buzz Lightyear. And ironically enough, I just saw the Lightyear movie yesterday. Um, so full circle, you bringing that up. <laughs> would you say Toy Story 3 is the best movie of the series or no? 
Yes. You know, what's funny. I was listening to podcasts. A lot of people have Toy Story 2 and like of, of all of them, it's like the least memorable to me. Um, so I feel like I have to go back and rewatch it. But uh, Toy Story 3 is my favorite because at the very end, spoiler alert, if you're listening, maybe like skip ahead 20 seconds. But you know, the part where they're at the garbage dump and they're about to go in that fire pit. I actually thought they were going to die. I got emotional and I don't I don't rarely feel emotional in movies, uh, let alone a Pixar movie. So that movie scared the crap out of me. Um, and I'm glad they did burn to abyss. <laughs> It's crazy to think that Toy Story 3 came out 12 years ago already. Don't say that. Don't say that. I don't need I don't need the numbers. I don't need a fact check here. It I, it has been a long time. It has definitely been a long time. It felt like it even like I think more time has passed from when Toy Story 3 came out than the time from when the original or actually no, it would be probably the same cuz Toy Story 1 came out in 95, number 2 yeah. came out in 98 or 99, so I think more time has passed or the same amount of years have passed since 3 came out than the difference say- between 2 and 3. Yeah, because I know between three and four coming out, because everyone seems to forget that there is a four. Um, there was a lot of time and they're like, oh, they're revisiting it, you know, a decade later. And you're like, oh, my God, I, I remember just yesterday when I went to the movies and, you know, saw the first one in theaters in the 90s. Oh, my God. I mean, I, I don't I don't even think I was born then. I saw two in the theaters, but I was still <laughs> like two or three years old. So uh, well, not really any memories- age out there. <laughs> So with hosting with the 905, what's your favorite part about your job? And what do you think is the most challenging part of being a host for a G League team? Yeah, um, I'll start with the most challenging stuff. I think it's um, because I, I have so many different roles, right? Digital host, podcasting, all that sort of stuff. It's, 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 it's changing my approach. It's a changing, um, you know, my, my cadence and how I deliver. Right. I always, always forget when I'm sideline reporting, I can't be as, you know, chipper as I am as uh, when I'm at a nine Oh five game. And so it's like finding that balance and, and that first year um, memorizing scripts and stuff like that, 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 that became something where I really had to, become used to it because I'm really good at ad-libbing and so I, I mean I'm able to incorporate that with my scripting but that was something that was challenging for me at first and obviously doing it in a pandemic and wearing a mask and all that sort of stuff in my first season wasn't like the best and not the most fun um, so there's definitely some challenges with that um, you know we started the season in mid-November and then we got locked down in December and we were just catching momentum and we were finally getting me and my co-host selena we we're just getting familiar with one another we were really reading each other's beats and whatnot and then a pandemic happened and we were about to reach the like the bulk of our schedule in december and january and that was all ripped away from us and we came back in like march and it was just like you know having to jump back on the bike again and and, and relearn all that sort of stuff so that was tough and not being able to like doing it with a you know, 45%, 55% capacity wasn't fun as as well. Like you want a full crowd in there because you really you want to use that opportunity to bounce off of them. But then that kind of segues into, you know, the best part of my job and thing I love the most is just the interaction. Um, you know, I am a bit biased, but 905 games are... I want to say better than Raptor games, but the environment is definitely more contagious because you're, 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 it's almost like sardines in a can, right? You're, you mm-hmm. feel closer to the fans and you really feel them interacting with you and engaging with you based off what you said. Um, obviously having a good team also helped, right? We finished first in the East, unfortunately got put out in the semis, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was tough, but having a good team, you know, it's easy to, to engage with the crowd when you're, when your team is winning, but that was definitely, I, I, it's, I, it doesn't really, I, I'm not sure if it really answers your question, but just that, just that energy in the building is, is the fun thing. Like you go into work and you know, you're going to have a good time. And 
I also shout out to the crew. Um, I've never worked in an environment where everyone was so determined to host and, and deliver a good time. And, you know, you know, they always say, you know, surround yourself with like-minded people. And I was blessed to be in that environment. And, and it makes a world of difference when you are. Since you've done so many different things and you love hosting, what is the main core, the principle that drives you in all the experiences that you do? What's that one thing that you try to achieve or you keep in mind while you're working? So this is twofold. So one is there's always an expectation from people when they see me or they see me at an event or they hear me and I try to live up to that expectation. Right. And it can be tough. Like I'm not always, you know, I can't always be in a great mood, but I always try to do my best to, to live up to people's expect, expectations because, you know, sometimes, you know, you know, the saying, like, sometimes you don't want to meet your, your heroes. Like I, I, there's been cases where I've met people where I, you know, I thought the world of them and they weren't who I thought they would be in person. And I've never wanted to be that. I, I've always wanted to be genuine and true to who I, you know, perceive and put myself as um, out, out in this world. So um, that's always been important to me is, is following sort of that. And um, my second thing is there's three things I always preach to our young people. It's, it's patience, persistence, and self-awareness. Um, you know, patience, th- things are not going to happen overnight, right? As much as I would have loved to have all have had all this success in my early twenties and, you know, have a decade ahead of me to, to get even further. Yeah, that wasn't in the cards for me. And I, that isn't the cards for everyone. So I think patience is really important. Persistence, Distance, right? You're going to, you're going to fall in a lot of hard times. I think everybody sees all the great things I do, but they don't see the amount of times I fell on my face or if I failed. And so, you know, it's being persistent and being almost, um, um, stubborn in a way that like, I, I, you have to be determined to succeed and, and, and achieve whatever it is you want to. And then self-awareness is always really important. If you're not good at something, or if you don't understand something, don't be afraid to ask people, right? Um, there's been a lot of times where I didn't, I, I didn't think that I could do something to my best. So I found somebody who, you know, is really good in that space or really good at their craft. And I, I picked their brain and, and I had a conversation. And so, um, those are the three things that I always try to preach to people. It rings so true when you think about how long it takes for someone to get to the ultimate goal or one of the major goals. I know when I spoke with Matt Devlin, he talked about the beginning of his career and looking back at all the things he's done all of a sudden there, I, you know, here I am a little kid and then boom, Matt Devlin's on TV and wow, he's great. But when you actually pull back the curtain, you realize someone like him, who's become a phenomenal broadcaster in the hearts of Raptors fans is he worked WNBA games. He worked double a baseball in Texas, all the, like, for many, many years before getting there. So when you think about maybe the 905 is not the best basketball in the world necessarily, but the environment that you can foster in it can help motivate you to believe that it is the best environment and that it could be better than an NBA game in terms of an entertainment level. And I think that that's an important thing to take away when you are in the the minor leagues or the farm leagues, because sometimes I guess people expect too much from the pro leagues like baseball or basketball and the minor leagues is where it's more intimate and it's where it's happening more. I think. I got two things to tell you. First of all, Matty D stand-up guy. I remember meeting him when I was in either first year college or late high school, must've been early college. And I met him at a season ticket holders event. And the guy took, 10 to 15 minutes to talk to me when I really didn't belong there. Like I said, it was a season ticket holders event. I just was able to, you know, sneak by. And he told me like the coolest thing. And I like, this is something that I think people should take away is like, I, you know, I asked him about some of the things he did to prepare for, you know, what he eventually got himself into. And he told me that he used to go to like his high school games and take a tape recorder and, and, and call games play by play. 
And then he would go home the next day, either that night or the next day, he would listen to himself and he would create him, uh, critique himself. And so, you know, the, like, like Matty D, you, you think like something like that comes so naturally to a guy like that. But man, a guy has put in time and F, uh, work to get to the, the place he is. Um, and just to speak to your point about, you know, working for a development league, um, what I think is so cool about the 905 and the CEBL is they both recognize that they are development leagues. But it's not just for the players, but it's all for the staff and everybody involved. And they're looking to put you on a, on a platform and give you an opportunity to, you know, excel and go to the next level. And I think that's always important when you go to these games. It's like everyone is there starting, trying to get to their dream job. And I listen, I'm not going to I love the quality of basketball and, you know, being a huge basketball fan. Um, I know some of these guys because on a nerd level, like I've, I've done my deep dive and I know eventually, you know, you're going to see these guys like it was cool to see Justin Champagne. He's thrive, obviously, De- uh, Delano, um, you know, the Rexdale guy. Everyone came to see him, but he was it wasn't just for show. Like he was actually really, really good. Good. So, I mean, if you haven't gone to a G League game or even a CEBL game, I uh, highly rec- recommend it. It's great grassroots basketball and it's, it's in our backyards. And it's, it's really, really cool. There was a big buzz of J. Cole coming to the CEBL to play for the Scarborough Shooting Stars. And I think that uh, everyone overnight seemed to become a fan of the CEBL. And while it's a great, I guess, publicity move, I think the the purpose that people should see in something like that is not that it's going to become the, the, the celebrity league. It's a place where there's a lot of talented athletes that deserve more spotlight than they're currently getting. Not that they're not getting any, but that the NBA isn't the only good professional basketball league in Canada and or the world. Yeah, I was wait- I was wondering if we'd get this question because everybody likes to talk about uh, J. Cole. But, um, you know, there's there's two things about this, right? OK, so the, the development league. Players don't finish up the whole season to begin with. A lot of guys will leave for summer league. Some guys will like currently guys are leaving for workouts. Um, you know, AJ Lawson for the Guelph Nighthawks just recently left um, to go try out for the uh, Dallas Mavericks. Um, this happens and summer league is just around the corner. So we're going to lose a lot of our great best players in the league uh, to summer uh, to G uh, sorry to the summer league uh, for G league in the NBA. And it was the same goes for, for J Cole. Um, if you knew, if you looked, if you were smart enough to look at his concert dates, you knew that he wasn't going to play out the whole season. Um, you know, J Cole is very, very passionate about basketball and it sounds so cliche, but the guy was literally the first one in the gym throwing up shots. Like he took it very, very seriously. Um, you know, I think a lot of people are under the impression that he pulled up to the game in his own, you know, whip whether it was a Maserati or whatever no he took the team bus he was fully committed to the experience and he treated it as such and so um you know while people want to throw slander on the fact that you know he only played six games and and they called it quits um he he embraced the experience and he took it very very seriously and um had great things to say about the league and you know how it was conducted and uh it helped us. It helped us get some relationships that probably wouldn't happen before. You know, we have a relationship with Bleacher Report now because of because uh, of that experience. Um, obviously, a lot of sponsors jumping in as well. Um, so it was it was great for the league, and um, I wouldn't be surprised if Jay Lo- uh, Jay Cole um, tried to make it work so he could come back in the future. Hundred percent, and I think that is the thing that people are missing is that it is a development league, and people don't stay there the whole season. And that's the but that's the point of the CEBL. It is to develop. It's not the highest level of basketball in Canada compared to the Raptors, that is. But it's a place where you sports guys, people that are trying to get a look to go to the G League, it can happen. And we see it with someone like you know Xavier Moon who gets a chance to go up, play for the Clippers affiliate in the G League, and then go up to play on two or three 10-day contracts. 
And that's the kind of exposure that the league needs to show that it is a viable means for players to make it to the NBA. And then it's not just, well, if you didn't play NCAA division one, tier one, you're screwed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, I, 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 what I love about it is now these youth sports players, you know, it was either, you know, Europe or, or bust for a lot of them, right? Like the, the, the dream of pursuing basketball as a profession, you know, didn't go beyond that. And now, you know, we, we have rules in place that you have to, you know, roster to youth sports guys. And, you know, even beyond that, we, I think there's a lot of teams that have more than that. And you're seeing some of them like Thomas Kennedy out in Fraser Valley, um, Kevon Vino for the Hamilton honey badgers. Um, there's a lot of Carlton alum as, as, as you know, one would expect uh, if you follow Canadian basketball that are absolutely killing it in the league right now. So um, I think it's just cool you know i think me growing up i took canadian you know university sport as a joke and then once i kind of got myself immersed in them um i was always like these guys are super talented they just don't have the exposure of the opportunities and now it's like slowly coming to fruition and now that we're at 10 teams um the sky's the limit with the cebl growing up in winnipeg i used to follow the manitoba bisons really closely as a kid and then when i got to actually work with bison sports and also westman athletics i realized the cebl makes so much sense because when they didn't have an opportunity before in Canada, they would just, like you said, be shipped to Europe and random places all over. But now they have a league where they can show themselves. And I think it's only going to continue to help Canadian basketball players who are elite amateurs, at least for the time being. And then eventually they can become professionals on a more frequent basis. And then who knows? You never know how that may affect the demographic of the NBA in the next 10 years. Yeah, and I'm sure somebody will listen to this podcast and say, okay, well, Xavier Moon is a is an American. Well, Lindell Wigginton, um, you know, joined the Milwaukee Bucks and was a part of their championship run, though he didn't play a lot, but he's a guy born in our in our very backyard blossoming. Um, so it's it's just so cool to see. And and you know, eventually when you see, you know, guys like Xavier, even Cat Barber uh for the Guelph Nighthawks, you know, had a stint with the Atlanta Hawks. It's 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 so rewarding just to know that you were somewhere a part of their 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 journey at some point watching. I got to know, do you still watch a lot of movies to this day after having your experience with Cineplex or are you not a big movie guy anymore? I am at the movies at least once a week. I am there very often by myself because it's therapeutic for me. Uh, So, you know, movies are still a very, 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 very big part of my life. (laughs) I don't mean for this to be a question that's the silver bullet of (laughs) movies, but as someone who watches a lot of films in no particular order, what are the five best movies you've ever seen? Oh my God. No, this, Oh, that's such a hard question. Uh, five best movies I've ever seen. <sighs> Let me tell you about like the five most memorable for me. Yeah, okay? sure. Because, that works. Yeah. I know there's a because, lot, but because, yeah, cause it's, a, it's a lot of, yeah. So the first two are, are kid movies that are very big part of my childhood. And that's Jurassic Park and Space Jam. I can remember them very vividly and, you know, Jurassic Park was kind of my first introduction of Spielberg. And, you know, if you were lucky enough to have Spielberg a part of your childhood, um, you know, he, he made a very big imprint on your life, uh, whether it was E.T., uh, like I said, Jurassic Park, even Jaws uh, before that. Um, so I, I remember that. And Jurassic Park is one of my favorite, like, once a year watches. And um, if I can ever hunt it down in a theater, because sometimes they'll do those, like, classic weekend uh, movies, uh, I'll, I'll jump on an opportunity to see on the big screen because it, it, it just still to this day gives me goosebumps. Space jam i don't really have to tell you um <laughs> it's michael jordan it's the looney tunes um big part of my childhood and I, I believe it was one of my first in theater experiences uh at a birthday party so i, I do remember that quite vividly 
as we move down, uh, The Dark Knight is a definitely definitely a big one for me. Uh, the rewatchability factor on that movie is bar none, and it's one of my like favorite rewatches. It's it's one of those movies you'll hop in in any scene, and and you will you have to continue to the rest of the movie, right? And that's, that's a big thing. That's a big thing for me, right? It's just like. A movie is good based on its rewatchability factor and how good that is. Um, I'm going to put these two together, Wally and, and Up, because they're Pixar movies. Um, I, those movies just give me the feels. Uh, Wally, because, you know, the entire, most of that movie doesn't have a lot of English language in it. It's non, it's non communicable, if that's a word, um, where Wally doesn't speak English or you don't understand what he's saying because he's speaking in a robot and, you know, his ability to get around and, you know, transmit his message. Um, uh, it's very special to me. And then Up is just, you know, um, believing you know uh the ventures out there I, I use that term all the time so those are two big movies actually right now my laptop background is wally and my main screen background is uh, the balloons and up in the house flying in the air um god big 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 big, big pixar big, guy. i could i i could give you ratatouille i could give you coco like i love i love air i love so many pixar movies like that's that's kind of my bread and butter um do i throw no i'm not gonna throw a bollywood in movie in there that's too cheesy uh, it is okay, on okay. For so, me. okay you know what? i actually do want to know then if you're a big pixar guy then what are the five best pixar movies in your opinion then because that's a narrow list yes that is uh so toy story three right behind me i'd put that oh yes toy story three did you say five or three five okay okay wally up ratatouille toy story three and Coco, you're not going to put Incredibles on there. No, that's a, that's second tier for me. Oh, okay, I do okay. like I love like so. Here's the thing, right? Like even a, a third or fourth tier Pixar movie is still like 80 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's just like I think it's a matter of preference, right? But Incredibles is awesome. Uh, I love what Incredibles does. Uh, you know, it was like the first Pixar movie that really incorporated adult humor and child humor. Uh, so I like I remember that quite vividly. I was gonna say I think I remember I rewatched Incredibles like three four years ago before. Before going to see the second one and it's rewatchability, I think is very underrated. And it's uh, it's a movie that ages like fine wine, maybe even more than some of the other ones because of that adult humor factor. So that's, that's why I think that it deserves uh, it deserves a big bouquet of flowers. But again, all, almost all Pixar movies, I haven't seen all of them, but are really incredible. So it can be very hard to choose between some and you're splitting hairs in some instances as well. So it's, Again, gonna, artist subjective. So you're gonna you're gonna hit stop on this podcast, and I'm gonna look back at the list and regret not incorporating in one of those other movies in my top five. There's just so many good ones. There are a lot of good ones. So we are getting towards the end of our time on today's episode, and I want to ask you some rapid fire questions. Hopefully, we can get rapid fire because sometimes the questions can be tough. I'm sorry. There's too many I'm, options, I'm, but I'm a chatty Kathy too, so I know I'm not gonna give you anything any simple answers. <laughs> <laughs> Who was your childhood sports hero? Ooh, this is a really good one. You know what? So it's two, it's two Raptors and one of them, it would surprise you. So Damon Stoudemire is probably the first one that really got me to basketball because I saw somebody that was short that could play basketball and that inspired me to want to play basketball in elementary school and high school and whatnot. And I say he's short, but like, he's still much taller than I am, but by NBA standards. And then, and then it has to be Vince Carter. You know, if it wasn't for Vince, you know, um, 
popularizing the sport and making it like okay to talk to people about basketball because you know when I was growing up all all I had the choice of doing is really playing like mini stick hockey on the schoolyard or you know being a, a goalie for my friends on the streets if we're playing roller hockey or whatnot um so for Vince to popularize the sport make it cool and also just being a first class guy he was the perfect role model uh for me growing up so I'd have to say Vince at its most who is your favorite movie villain my favorite movie villain or bad guy doesn't have to necessarily be a villain in terms of fantasy it could be like the bad character from a movie just whatever comes to whatever comes first to your mind the the first one comes the first like only only because it's just i think it's recency but we're talking about the dark knight i just think of heath ledger like i freaking love what Heath did with the character and when i think of someone maniacal and someone that played the perfect i mean to the point that he got uh you know an oscar after passing away um that is the first one that came to mind the second one is thanos i fucking love thanos sorry i don't know if i'm allowed to podcast on this podcast but thanos is the ultimate villain right like he really didn't lose they had to go back in time to fix things um so i just love what josh brolin did with a character and how uh marvel handled thanos who is your biggest inspiration can be someone that you know someone that you look up to so this this question sucks because of what happened recently but (laughs) pre-slap it would have been will smith will smith is someone that i very very much looked up to and i've you know altered not altered but built my persona after and the fresh prince character is you know someone that impacted me quite a bit and you know Will's, you know, larger than life personality and, you know, stories about him and, you know, how he conduct himself on set to make sure everyone is happy, you know, and just his joyful, uh, joyfulness is something that I always tried to build myself after. So most definitely Will Smith, um, obviously not the greatest time to say Will Smith, but I, I, I would imagine for somebody of his caliber is probably getting the help that he needs. 100%. And it's, again, celebrities aren't perfect as we know. So if you can take any positive from it, then and discard the negative, then that's all you can really do. Absolutely. Favorite live sporting event that you've seen as a fan? It has to be a Raptors playoff game. I'm just trying to remember which one it was specifically. Um, I went to one of those Bucks games um, in the 2019. No, you know what? You know what? I'm going to be selfish here. So I got to host Jurassic Park this uh, past uh, season for the playoff run. And I know it's not live. I'm not in the building. But the I've, I grew up going to Jurassic Park as a kid. I went I, I went even before it was called Jurassic Park. They used to call it Party in the Square. And so when I got to host it and be on the other side, it is absolutely electric. It's like anything you say, the, that crowd is going to react to it. And um, it was just a full circle moment for me. Um, and so just to be a part of that during a playoff run, um, I, I'd say that was my best lo- So, And that, that is a selfish answer because I know you're looking for some like me actually watching a sporting event. Um, mm. But uh, I, I've been to a couple of playoff games or after playoff games. Uh, and, you know, the ones that, you know, the outcome was a winning game was always a memorable one for me. But um, I, I have I've said Jurassic Park just because I got to be a part of it. And it was a lot of fun. Final question. In your opinion, which movie do you think is in terms of general, like in terms of your opinion combined with with general audience? Which movie do you believe is better? Shawshank Redemption or either of the Godfather part one or two? 
Oh, bro, you're trying to get me canceled here. What's going on? You're making me pick. It's like picking my favorite Olsen twin. Um, oh, wow. I'm going to. The shitty thing is I've been to I've been to. um, um, Oh, my God. Why am I Alcatraz? I've been to the island, so I've seen it firsthand. So it's pretty nuts to think, you know, stories like that exist and whatnot. But I I, got to say the Godfather, the OG one, um, you know, the first of its kind, really. And, you know, it's still revered to this day. It's still referred to um, when you're talking about uh, movie building and, uh, you know, some of the perfect movies uh, that have ever come out of the the cinematic world. So um, I got to go with the OGs, uh, you know, Marlon Brando and uh, Al Pacino. (laughs) Well, there are no incorrect answers, just subjective opinions. So I appreciate you offering your perspective and movie insight because it always, I think, cultivates good conversation around what we should consume if we have not seen X movie or Y movie, because some people I've met, I've never seen Shawshank. And even for myself, I haven't seen The Godfathers yet. So it's something that uh, always piques my interest. I'm glad you said subjective because, you know, people will come to me and be like, Oh, I hated that movie. Or, you know, that movie is the worst in the world. And I'm not, I'm not one to criticize what people think about movies because it's all, like you said, subjective, you have different tastes. And I think that's the beauty of movies is like certain things speak to you and certain things um, are appealing to you and all the power to you. So I respect your opinion. Um, so yeah, I, I, I love that. You said that. Well, Danang, it's been great having you on today's episode. I'm so glad we finally got to chat and be able to chop it up about movies and sports and the many different hats that you wear figuratively and literally. It was, it was a pleasure, <laughs> man. I'm super glad that you're able to be on and I really appreciate your time. This, this was a joy. I didn't have the movie questions on my bingo card today. Um, and that's a, a rare for me. So I was really glad that I got to speak about that. And uh, I, I feel like now I'm going to have to be more prepared about movie questions because you really caught me off guard. And uh, that is the, the sign and our trait of a good host. So thanks for, for hosting me here today. And thank you for the listener for enjoying today's episode with Raptors 905 in-game host and also digital host for Blog TO, Danung Bolsera. First and goal from the one. This is it. Stiegel. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Huddle Up with Matias Bueno. Check out our social media pages for more at huddleup underscore MB. For full audio, head over to Spotify and Apple Podcasts. For full video, head over to YouTube at Huddle Up with Matias Bueno. Tune in next week for another great episode. See you next time.